Well, good morning, church. Good, uh, good to see everybody here this morning. Thank you for everybody online who's uh, here to hear the Word of God. Uh, today we're talking about Jesus, the name above all names. Uh, it's, uh, as I've studied the book of Acts, and uh, one thing, uh, the apostles and all the followers of Christ drilled into my head was that it was all about Jesus. He's the name above all names. There's no other name that, uh, that matters. It is the name of Jesus. You know, as I've been inspired by ordinary people, like Peter uh, and John. You know, I find it interesting about John. He, he doesn't talk much in Acts, but I'm sure he had a big impact in, in his support of Peter and, and the Word. Uh, Stephen, um, small part, but, but big on faith. Again, Philip, small part big on faith. Uh, Paul and Barnabas, uh, or Saul and Barnabas, uh, had, a, had a big part. Um, and they all declared that there was only salvation in no other name but Jesus. Ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Um, Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, he said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Um, notice that last sentence. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Um, Jesus is always with us. He, uh, he's alive and well. He's living in you uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you've made him Lord of your life... Um, there really is no other name. No other name. Um, Jesus is alive in you. He's your only hope. And, you know, I watch what's going on in Haiti. And uh, saw a special the other night on, on uh, TBN. And uh, those people are, are so strong in Jesus. that They're recovering from an earthquake 10 years ago. Uh, but they're praising God. Jesus is being proclaimed. And they have a love for the Lord that is truly special. And, and I'm sort of, sort of jealous, you know. I, I need that love for the Lord all the time. They give praise and glory to Him without ceasing. It, it's all about Him. And uh, I, our prayers go out to the, uh, the people of Haiti. And as well as our, our money is going to go up, we're going to make a contribution to them and, and do it ongoing because we know this recover, recovery um, from this earthquake will take years. Um, you know, 1,200 people at least got killed. Uh, thousands more were injured. Um, they got tropical storms that came in after the earthquake. Uh, and uh, the, the president got assassinated. So a lot of stuff going on in Haiti. But through it all, there's hope, and it's because of the name of Jesus Christ. And I, I'm glad to be part of helping the people of Haiti, even if it's only praying. Um, as Christians, we need to uh, rise up and give help and pray and give hope, um, just like the early church. In Acts 2, I'm going to spend a lot of time in Acts today, um, sort of wrap up my study of Acts. Acts 2, 32. Can I hear those pages? A few. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received 
from the Father, the promised Holy Spirit, and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore all of Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Savior. God raised Jesus from the dead. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in you. Um, we were dead to our sin, but now we are alive in Christ. I love hearing an amen here and there, and it is the power of Jesus that, that we, we live by. Jesus is exalted at the right hand of God. You know, I, we, Diane and I watched uh, uh, a movie. It was, um, uh, I forget what it was, but there was a sort of an uh, evangelist in, in the movie who evangelized practically the whole football team. And, and he had one of them get up and, and read the, the scripture. And he said, just so you know, we're going to go out and win this ball game tonight because they will know that there is a God in Israel. And this team had put God first and nobody knew about it. But they knew after that game because they beat the number one team that day. And it's a true story. And, uh, and they, they gave all the glory to God. And it's the same with you and me. We, when we defeat our giants, when we turn away from sin, when we lift up the Lord our God to where he belongs, they know there's a God in Israel. It's, and a God is in you, living in you, and alive and well. The Lord is, is uh, interceding for you. We are courageous with Christ. There's victory in Jesus. He has won the war. And one day, he will come back and we will reign with him. Jesus is our Lord and our Messiah, as Peter said in verse 36. Therefore, all Israel, be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Um, Peter could not stop by preaching the word. Acts 4, 8 through 12. Again, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called on account today for, for an act of kindness shown to the man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone, salvation, is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Jesus is the name above all names. Peter couldn't say it enough. There's no one else that you will get salvation from. He is our cornerstone, um, and he is a stumbling block to those who reject him. The world needs Jesus, and we need to, to proclaim him that there's no other salvation in his name. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit living in you that, that lights your fire that builds you up, that helps you do things that you could never do before. And as, as we stand here and sit here today, are we obedient to God's word and spirit, Th that we can face anything the world has to offer? Jesus' own people had rejected him in verse 11. But much like the world we live in, we have made Jesus our cornerstone. He is everything. He's our rock. He's our foundation. That's why we can say in verse 12, salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we may, must be saved. And, and that is our, our foundation. That is our, our, our motto. That is our goal, to share Jesus whenever we can and realize there's no other. You know, my goal every, to everybody I meet is to get them to heaven, whether they're saved or not saved. 
You know, and my goal is always that. And, and Jesus is name above all names I put first. Jesus declares, what does he declare? He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. He is the only way. He is the truth. He is our life. Only way to Jesus. Jesus is the way to heaven. No one else died for your sins. No one else was raised from the dead and, and reigns today with God. No one else uh, was God in the flesh. And no one else sits at the right hand of God. There is salvation in no other name but Jesus Christ. Acts 6, 8 through 10. Now Stephen, a man of full of grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from the members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Sicilia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. You know, Stephen is such a great example. He's a small sample in the book of Acts of how we should be. He was full of the Holy Spirit and God's grace. He, he loved Jesus. He was full of the Holy Spirit, as I said, and the, the Word was, was in him. He was gracious and humble, forgiving and depending on God. You know, I think that's what I drew from Stephen most of all, is how, how humble he was and how gracious he was. He, wasn't, he, he preached the word, word boldly, but he also was humble, um, full of God's power. I love verse 10. And it says, but they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Because he was full of the Holy Spirit, no one could stand up against him. And quite possibly, the Apostle Paul was there in that group that was arguing with him. And I'm sure that he was gaining something from Stephen and, and seeing how, how, how much he was on fire for the Lord. Acts 6.15. Great scripture. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Wow. They're, here they are arguing and, and planning how they're going to kill Stephen. And they see a, God puts on Stephen a face of an angel. And, uh, and I'm not saying, saying any of us are, have faces of angels, but I can see the Lord in your faces. I love it when I get together with brothers and sisters in fellowship. I see the, the face of God in each of you. And we, we all love God and how we, we uh, want to serve him and do his will. Um, wow. They saw a face like of an angel in Stephen. Um, God himself put that on Stephen. Um, Stephen's life and testimony, no doubt, um, affected everybody there. Um, Acts 7 51 through 60. You stiff neck. Here's Stephen talking a little more. <laughs> Getting a little direct right now. He says, you stiff neck people. Your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Was there ever a prophet uh, your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You have received the law that was given through angels, but have not obeyed it. <clears throat> when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. 
But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing there at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears, yelling at the top of their voices. They all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of the young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he said this, he fell asleep. Um, wow, what a testimony. Uh, Stephen finishes one of the greatest sermons of all time in verse 52. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. You murdered Jesus, he said. Um, 54. <clears throat> When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashing their teeth at him. They just couldn't take it. They were full of anger. But 55 and 56, <clears throat> but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. When, we, when Stephen puts Jesus ab above everything else, who does he see standing in heaven? Jesus. It's Jesus standing there to welcome him into heaven. The power of the Holy Spirit in Stephen just uh, was, enabled him to see death in a, in a special way. When we make Jesus the Lord of the life, the name above all names, we will see the glory of God. That's, that's what I, I long to see, the glory of God, when, when Jesus takes me home. And I can't wait to see it. And I know Jesus will be standing there waiting to welcome me in. And uh, 59 and 60, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord, receive my spirit. When he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. When he had said this, he fell asleep. Stephen, while being stoned, said, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. What does it remind you of? Jesus on the cross. Yeah, Jesus uh, said, do not uh, hold this sin against him. Stephen, you know, like I said, have a small, had a small part in the Bible, but he's an incredible example to all of us. I encourage you to read uh, Stephen. And, uh, then, yeah, and, and then what, what I find is that the word of God just keeps on speaking to me like Stephen. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. No matter what you go through, no matter what Stephen went through, the, the love of Jesus transcends all understanding and it guided his heart and mind. It does the same thing to us. Now another one who played a, a bit of a small part was uh, Philip the Evangelist in verses 8, 4 through 8. Those who were scattered preached the word. There again, they, they had to preach the word about Jesus. Wherever they went, Philip went down to the city of Samaria, Samaria and welcomed and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks and pure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city. Philip, again, like all the other uh, disciples in, in Acts, preached the word. Preached the word, uh, and, and incredible things happened. Uh, uh, even the, God's people, uh, when they were scattered and persecuted, the gospel spread even more. Uh, Acts 8.26. Now an angel of the Lord said to uh, Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. 
So he started out on the, his way. He met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kendake, which means the queen of Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told him, Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to this chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of, of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent. He did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with the very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. The Ethiopian eunuch was reading about Jesus. He was reading about how Jesus was going to be led to the slaughter, how he was going to be sacrificed for our sins. And so Philip had to just preach the good news to him, bring the word of Jesus. I love how the Ethiopian eunuch uh, searched the scriptures, hungry for the word of God. Philip takes, tells him the word of, of the good news about Jesus. And Jesus, salvation is truly in no other name but Jesus Christ. Let's read 36 through 40. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized. And uh, 37 is sort of left out, but, Philip's, but Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. The eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior, uh, uh, is the Son of the God. And then goes on in 38. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, baptized him. When they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. Again, God uses just a normal, everyday man, Philip, to proclaim the good news of Jesus. Have you shared the good news of Jesus with somebody? There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. You know, I can remember a, a, a going, um, getting involved with Henry the Barber. And it, it was, Henry was um, so close to God, but yet so far away. And uh, all of a sudden, one Saturday, I'm, on, I'm get, jumping into my car to go to work, and my cell phone rings. And yet, generally, I have it off, but this time it was Henry, desperate. And he said, Rick, I've sinned. I, I've, I've, I've ruined everything. And, and I, I said, Henry, listen, right now you're going to pray with me. By the power of Jesus Christ, he is going to change you, your world. He is going to forgive you of this sin. Get down and write a letter to this person that you have sinned against. And Henry, Jesus will take care of you. And listen, we're going to pray together, and Monday we're going to go to, to Sam's Club together. And I shared the gospel with, with Henry the whole ride down, and I happened to have a Max Lucado book sitting uh, on my, on, in my truck. And Henry, while I was in uh, Sam's Club, he read the Max Lucado book, and it, and it, it opened his heart to Jesus. And, and at, right at that point, Henry accepted Jesus Christ, and he's never been the same since. I'm telling you, there's nothing like sharing the Word of God with somebody. <laughs> nothing like it. There's victory in Jesus. And, and, and from Henry, I mean, there's nothing better than having a barber share the word with people. He gets a lot of them. And, and uh, I, that's what I told Nick. And, and, and truly, it was 
an ex exciting um, time in my life to share Jesus with, with him. Um, and we're going to get into the greatest evangelist of all time, Saul. Acts 9, 1 through 25. And I know this is a little bit of a long scripture, but it, it's just a tremendous how Saul um, was converted. And meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciple. He went to the high priest and asked for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that, he found that if he found any of them belonging to the way, whether men or women, he might take them prisoners to Jerusalem. He, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him. In a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man named, from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come, place hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he, came, <clears throat> he, has, and he has come with the authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on the name your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go to this man. He is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who has appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. <clears throat> Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus, and at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. And all those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't this the man who raised, who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who called on this name? And has he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night, they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him into the basket through an opening in the wall. Paul was set out on the uh, road to Damascus to take the... Uh, Christians captive, but Christ took him captive. That's what happens when, when Jesus shows up. You know, when he shows up in your life, he's come to take you captive. He has come to let you know that he is the name above all names, that you are a chosen instrument of God. And, and that's what he did for Saul. By the grace of God, he became a Christian. He was, um, in fact, he was more than a Christian. He was a missionary. He was a theologian. He was an evangelist. He was a pastor, he was an organizer, a leader, a thinker. He fights for the truth and loves a loves, lover of Saul's, uh, souls. And never has there been a more godly man or a better example 
than our Lord ourselves, than, than the Apostle Paul. And over in Acts 9, 26, we see that Saul needs Barnabas. Saul needs Barnabas. 26 through 31. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told him how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how, Damascus, how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely from the, um, in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. <clears throat> he talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of God and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, and it increased in numbers. Uh, you know, as great as Saul was, he needed Barnabas. You know, that's a great example to me. You know, um, no matter who you are, no matter how good you think you are, you need a Barnabas. You know, I, I, Diane is my Barnabas. She, uh, she truly brought me to the Lord, and she keeps me in my place. And uh, she does it by the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. The other day she said to me, she said, are you going to go to a class and learn on, on humility? You know? <laughs> she said, maybe you should teach about humility on your next Monday night, man, instead of Acts. And uh, she was so right. I, I was being proud. I was being a know-it-all. And uh, we all need a Barnabas. I pray that you have a Barnabas that sets you straight and keeps you in, in order, you know, because we, we sometimes get full of ourselves. We sometimes think we, uh, you know, we're all set and we're know-it-all. And, and I'm, I'm guilty as is all get out. And also we've seen that Barnabas needs Saul. Acts 11, 22. <clears throat> now the, the news of this reached the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God was, has done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the, the church and taught a great number of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Here we are, the first uh, Gentile church in Antioch. In, in, um, Barnabas truly was the right man to go to them, to help them, to nurture them on to, to, for the love of Jesus. What was his best quality? He was an encourager. He encouraged them to remain true to the word, true to, their, to the Lord with all their hearts. Uh, and he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. But what did he need? He needed a partner to continue to preach and teach the word. So he went and got Saul. So then... Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and he found him. He brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught a great number of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Saul, Paul, Barnabas needed Saul. Um, he was the great encourager, but he needed Saul to, to, be the, to nurture up the church, to build them up. We all need one another. We need to, to build one another up to edify and, and encourage one another on and more and more as we see the day draw nearer. Um, Paul and Barnabas kept on spreading the word in Acts 13, 6 through 12. 
Acts 13, 6 through 12. They traveled through the whole island until they, they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and a false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was in attendance of the proconsul. Sergius Paulus, the proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he went to hear the word of God. But Elimus, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elimus and said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time and not even able to see the, the light of the sun. Immediately, mist and darkness came over him, and he groped, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching of the Lord. Um, verse 9, then Saul, who was called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. Here Saul is now called Paul. I think this is, at this point, he knows he's got to preach the word to the Gentiles. He's, he know. He knows that they are the ones he's going to lead to Christ. He is God's chosen instrument. And Paul would have no part of Satan. Verses 10 and 11. You are a child of devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time and not able to see the light of the sun. Paul would have no part of Satan's work uh, in spreading the, the word and we need to be the same way we always need to be ready and, and ready to, to, to defend the gospel to whenever something comes up that is not right that doesn't uh, compare to the word of God we need to be ready and valiant and bold um, and we need to believe of all that, that power above all power is Jesus Jesus name Acts 13 36 240. Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that, Jesus, that through Jesus the forgiveness of sin is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from sin, a justification you not, are not able to obtain under the law. <clears throat> Take care that what happened the prophets has said does not happen to you. When you hear the name of Jesus, when you proclaim the name of the Jesus, uh, proclaim it valiantly because it might be their only possibility of salvation. They need, this world needs Jesus Christ. They need to uh, stand on him and proclaim him as their Lord and Savior. And uh, this is what Paul and Barnabas knows. There's no other way. Verses 44 through 52. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. <clears throat> then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, We are to speak the word of God to you first. Since you rejected it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded. I have made you, made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles <clears throat> heard the heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord, and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread among the whole region, but the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women and standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from the 
region. So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and, and went to Iconium. And the di disciples were filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. What joy it is, no matter whether someone rejects you or not, to share the gospel. Right? No matter whether someone rejects you or not, to share the gospel. God will take over from there. God will take over from there. Sometimes we do need to shake our feet, but we all also need to pro proclaim it boldly and be filled with joy. I ask you, do you speak the word of, of God boldly? Like, if I've learned anything from the book of Acts, it's to be bold and, uh, and humble. <laughs> Philippians. <laughs> Philippians 2, 1 through 13. I'm going to close with this scripture. I encourage you, as Paul has encouraged me through these scriptures. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you have any comfort from his love, if any comfort from sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the Spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value above others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to each of you, to the interest of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who <clears throat> is that scripture, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very na nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the cross, even death on the cross, Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above, that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and, at, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. <coughs> Amen. Therefore, dear friends, you have, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. What a great scripture. Um, exalt Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Make him the name above all names. That's what Paul brings out in, in here. And in verses 10 and 11, at the name, well, back up to 9, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him, him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Call him Lord. Make him the Lord of your life. Um, Philippians 2, 15 and 16 says, um, Then you will shine among them like the stars in the sky as you hold firmly the word of life and then I will be able to boast on the day that I did not of Christ that I did not run in vain when we make Jesus the Lord of our lives when we make him the name above all names we'll shine like stars there'll be some there'll be a glow in your face almost like God put on Stephen as a face of an angel I pray that Jesus has his rightful place in your lives that you were inspired by the word of God, that he is the name of all names, that you hold firmly to the word of life.
Hold firmly to this word of life that will, will, will lift you up. Um, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, as I said, and no one comes to the Father except through him. Uh, if you haven't made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, haven't put him on, you do need to do, the, do that today. Um, there's no other, there's nothing that's changed my life more than Jesus. And he is the name above all names. I pray you make him the same. Let's stand and sing the song of invitation.